Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. I am so happy to be welcoming Dr. Jessica Guida to the podcast this evening. She is a fourth year OBGYN resident, and she's doing some really great things on social media. And I can't wait to talk to her all about imposter syndrome. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Great. So as a resident, I don't know if imposter syndrome is something that you have struggled with kind of through res- throughout residency or medical school, or have you been immune to it? <laughs> oh, no, gosh, I feel like everyone I meet has imposter syndrome at some point, and maybe kind of peaks and then comes back down again, um, as you go on. But I think mine definitely started in medical school and I felt it during my intern year and it kind of took until like the end of second year, early third year to really overcome it. What kind of things do you think you suffered from the most with regard to imposter syndrome? I think I played that comparison game a lot Mm -hmm. in medical school, especially. I went from um, a large college. I went to Penn State main campus with over 40,000 people and we used to... Yeah, my intro bio class had like 700 people in it. (laughs) But we used to get these emails and it would be like, you scored better than 699 people. Or I mean, not, you know, not that crazy, but it was a real like ego boost. And then you get into med school and all of a sudden you're used to getting these A pluses and being the kind of academic person in your your group and relying on that as your identity and then Mm -hmm. get to medical school and all of a sudden you're just doing average or above or below average. And it's kind of a real hit to your identity. Yeah. I remember in medical school, I felt like because I had to work hard, that meant that I really didn't belong there. Did you feel any of that? I felt like I was studying all the time. And I guess I, I felt that more looking back, like in college, I studied all the time as well. And I had friends or even my middle sister. She just is one of those people that can read something and retain it. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely never me. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. Do you, did you find that the transition from medical student to residency was hard for you? I did. I had a really rough intern year just personally. I, mm-hmm. My grandmother died. I broke my foot and I had a lot of car trouble. So outside <laughs> of medicine, it was kind of looking back, I'm like, oh my goodness, no wonder I struggled so much. Mm-hmm. But even in medicine, I, I think my program when I first came was a little bit of like a mean girl program Mm -hmm. Um, and being the intern and kind of constantly being criticized really got to me and I felt like towards the end of it like maybe I didn't even belong. Mm -hmm. Yeah was there something that in the culture that shifted eventually or was it just your mindset? I I think it was a little bit of both so Mm -hmm. um, when I first started my Instagram I was a a beach body coach and uh, Beachbody really focuses on not only like weight loss and eating healthy and exercise, but also like a positive mindset. Yeah. So I dove really deep into personal development and really worked on myself towards the end of like fourth year and beginning of intern year. And honestly, that kind of personal development and investment in myself is what ended up saving me and, and this very special community that I found on social media. Yeah, I think that's incredible because this whole like personal development thing, I really didn't discover until the last maybe 18 months. So if I think back to how I was as a resident, it would have been so impactful then. So I really think that that's an incredible thing that you learned early on. Do you find that 
your co-residents notice that shift in you? I think so. I think our intern year, we spent a lot of time apart. And then our second year, we're on service for 12 months straight. So I was always with one of my other three residents in my class. Mm -hmm. And it was really that year that we bonded and kind of realized that we had maybe all had tough intern years in some way or another Mm -hmm. and really started to like build each other up too. Which is a big deal, I think, when you can feel that support from your peers instead of that competition. Oh, yeah, 100%. I would not have thrived in a community on competition by Mm -hmm. any means. And I'm very lucky that I have a supportive and encouraging atmosphere now and try and be that person for the, you know, residents younger than me now, too. Yeah. Is there anything that in particular that you felt like you did that improved these feelings of imposter syndrome that you had? One thing, and again, this it's so funny because it's, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? And for whatever reason, I, one of my good friends um, got me involved in the beach body scene. And one of their big slogans is to just put up blinders. Mm-hmm. And um, I know this is audio only, but I'm, you know, putting up kind of like, you know, how horses when they're racing, they have blinders on either side of their eyes, so yeah. that they block out the, the people next to them. And starting to implement that had really started to make like a change in me mm-hmm. intern and then throughout second year and developing my own confidence. And I guess to elaborate on that, um, the blinders, it's, it's less like a physical <laughs> barrier, obviously you need to see where you're going in the hospital and operating, but more just a mental one and to stop mm-hmm. comparing myself to everybody else. And, you know, to start to admit that I had maybe self doubts or was feeling insecure about not knowing an answer to a question or doing poorly on an exam or something like that. Mm-hmm. Were you, do you find that the more open you are about talking about your those insecurities helps you or makes you feel more vulnerable? I think it's all about disclosing it to the right person. Mm-hmm. Um, I still remember talking to one of my seniors um, as like a second year resident and telling her that she just always seemed to know everything. <laughs> and to me, I would just never reach that point. And she was like, Jess, like when I'm running down to the ER to see a consult for X, Y, or Z, like I'm looking it up on up to date beforehand to refresh my memory. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, or if I send you into a patient room for this chief complaint, like I'm going to refresh it on the computer beforehand and look it up. So when you come present the patient to me, I do have more answers because I've used that time and kind of realizing that people were doing that, but maybe not saying it was, it was just like this barrier had been shattered. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm not alone. Like I'm not the only one that has to review the steps to a hysterectomy when I've spent three months off the GYN service or something like that. So definitely talking about it was beyond helpful. I think that's such a good point when you have someone who's willing to open up to you or to someone else about their insecurities because so I think so many of us have similar ones especially in the medical community when it's you know when we think we have to know everything 100% of the time and that's just not reality right and even you know attendings too I think as an intern I used to kind of idolize my attendings with all of their knowledge and experience and not that you don't have that as an attending but just the more you get to know someone as a person, you realize it's taken years for them to get to that point in kind of being the expert in something. It's not just handed to you. Exactly. And I think for me, I don't know, you, I think you've talked about growth versus fixed mindset before. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, okay. definitely. So 
I think that goes along with it because it's so common, I think, that there is an assumption that, you know, you go into medical school and as a resident, you just are supposed to know everything right off the bat. When in reality, if you have this growth mindset, which is that these skills can be cultivated and you can improve on them, it's such a healthier journey. Oh, Um, definitely. And even, you know, simple things. I did a rotation in January with a wonderful fellowship trained um, REI physician, and he gave me pointers on how to put in the speculum. And, you know, if I was kind of in that fixed mindset, I'm a fourth year resident, I should know how to put in a speculum by now versus, you know, I'm a fourth year resident, I'm going to be doing these things on my own soon. What else can I learn? Mm -hmm. Um, Just your reaction to the situation too, and how you accept that feedback really helps. That's so true. That's so true. I think, and there's nothing wrong with the, that mindset of I can learn something in every aspect of life. And I can, no matter what, no matter how comfortable I am with something, some, with something, there's always more to learn. Definitely. And it makes dealing um, with, you know, difficult people or easy people a lot easier because Mm -hmm. they don't, they don't feel, I guess, nervous to give you the feedback too. If they know that no matter what they say, you're going to receive it in a positive manner. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, just because you're a fellow OBGYN, I do want to ask, did you find that through medical school or in the early years of residency that you found that people were trying to talk you out of the field of OBGYN? All the time. I feel Mm -hmm. like if, you know, if any of us had a dime or a dollar for each person that said, don't do it, the hours, the commitment, you know, you must not like your family because you'll never see them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Statements. We wouldn't have had to go to residency to begin with. (laughs) Yeah. So what kind of things did you tell yourself or did you to, to, in order to continue to pursue OBGYN? I had a lot of deep conversations with people that were in it. Mm -hmm. Um, My one friend, she, her name's Meredith and she's the one that got me involved in Beachbody to begin with. And, you know, she's on Instagram too, the, the veggie doc. Mm-hmm. And she was this positive light for me. Um, and I had some other like mentors. And I think that's awesome now through social media to be able to find mentors. It was hard for me to do that. That just had really, that were OBGYNs and that were practicing and had families and were making it work and hearing that they could do it. It reassured mm-hmm. me that I could do it too. Yeah, I love that. Do you think that being a woman physician put you at risk for imposter syndrome at all? I definitely think that um, it plays into it. And that's not to discredit men who have imposter syndrome by any means. Mm -hmm. But being a female in a female-dominated field where all of or most of the nurses are female, all of our patients are female, it definitely impacted it. I still remember when I was an intern, I had one of my third-year residents now who I love. He's a kind of a a uh, very masculine personality and mm-hmm. he came into a room with me and the patient assumed he was the doctor and mm-hmm. that really got me because i was like i'm finally the intern i'm finally the doctor you know he's a fourth year med student mm-hmm. and that really got me i think it it was just recently that i stopped taking offense to patients not thinking of me as their doctor yeah well, that's good. You're ahead of the curve because I think some days I still feel a little bit slighted by that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's tough. 
And you know, yeah. if you catch me on a bad day, I could definitely still still feel slighted yeah. by it too. <laughs> That's true. So obviously, in residency, it's you know, it's probably the four most most challenging years of your life. How do you keep up the positive attitude and keep the imposter syndrome at bay on a day to day basis when things are pretty bad? I think going into residency, I was fortunate enough to spend time on myself beforehand and kind of figure out my non negotiables. Mm-hmm. And for me, those are, you know, spending time with the people that I love and that are going to build me up and tell me no matter what, like, you are smart, you are valuable, you are qualified to do this getting, you know, good sleep, exercise, and food choices as best as you can when you're working the crazy hours that you do. And then I just have a guilty pleasure of like all things Netflix or ABC mm-hmm. <laughs> related to decompress and mm-hmm. having those things that no matter what, no, how, no matter how busy I got, I always made time for them really helped just with my like a mental and emotional well-being. And that mm-hmm. in and of itself can help you fight imposter syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. I think what you're what you've cultivated so nicely for yourself is this really good sense of who you are, but also who you want to be in the future. And I think when you can comfortably own that, the imposter syndrome doesn't affect you as much. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think it's, you know, equal parts to stop playing the comparison game mm-hmm. and then equal parts like we had talked about realizing that everybody feels this way mm-hmm. at different times in their career. And, you know, just because I don't feel like it at the moment doesn't mean when I'm a new attending in a few short months, it won't return. Right. And I think that's right. I think it's assuming like, or a recognition that it's probably always part of your life and it's always going to creep in because you have a human brain, but knowing that you have the tools to get out of it instead of become a victim of it. Right. Definitely. And I think realizing that, you know, I always tell myself the day that I'm the smartest person in the room is the day that I've stopped learning and growing. So I I always remind myself of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you find that you ever struggle with guilt at all where you feel guilty about choosing, you know, spending time with your family over studying or I guess balancing the physician and non-physician parts of you? Yeah, definitely that too. My first go around at boards, I am an osteopathic physician. So I took our COMLEX exam and the USMLE exam. So both, whatever they were, eight hour exams Mm -hmm. for level one. And leading up to that, I was just so stressed. I gave up everything that made me me. And I just studied, studied, studied for weeks or months on end. And that was just horrible. I struggled a lot with the guilt of, you know, if if my roommate <laughs> in the room above me wasn't sleeping, should I, you know, be up studying or should I go to sleep because I'm tired? And so I recently took my written OBGYN boards last year and my biggest goal for myself was to not lose myself in the process. Yeah. But that took four years to figure out. <laughs> yeah. That's great. And it'll come in handy when you take your oral boards too. Oh my goodness, I know. Can't can't wait for those. It was like past the written and then realize, oh wait, we're we're never truly done in medicine. It's true. You, we never are. Do you have any advice for medical students or interns who might be feel, really feeling that burden of imposter syndrome? I think really figuring out who you are and what you stand for is going to help a lot and I'm a huge proponent of therapy. 
-hmm. I think everyone should do it. Yep. You know, we should really get rid of the stigma and the shame that surround it in the healthcare field and beyond and realize that we are humans. We are going to have times where we're higher or lower than, you know, our baseline might be. And that talking to someone about it can make a world of difference. Absolutely. Um, lives. Yeah. I mean, I even tried to get my program to institute, not mandatory, but highly recommended or encouraged therapy sessions for mm -hmm. all residents, like once a quarter or something. Yeah. Um, just to have like a forced check-in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's a mental health and emotional health in residency is definitely a developing concept. So it's a work yeah. in progress, but I would tell everyone to go to therapy if they could. <laughs> yeah, I give the same advice. I think everyone should have a therapist. I now think everyone should also have a life coach because I feel like yeah. it's both ends, you know, talking about your future and also kind of figuring out what in the past you need to work through can make a huge difference. And I think that there's something to be said for vulnerability and really kind of just letting yourself be the real raw version of you sometimes and realize that that person is still valuable. Right. And to have that support network that when you do like kind of your barriers down to know that they're going to love you and support you no matter what. And whether that's like a special attending or a close co-resident or a significant other, you know, mm -hmm. just parent, whatever it is, but having that network um, is just fundamental to overcoming and fighting imposter syndrome. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. I think you're doing a great job, in, um, especially as an OBG, as a resident in OBGYN, <laughs> which I am intimately aware of what that's like. It's incredible the work you oh. do with yourself. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. Your yeah, I was super excited to be able to come talk about this. It's definitely a passion of mine, yeah. helping others and I know yours too, hence this yep. podcast. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, you have a great night. Thank you, you too. One more thing before you go. I wanted to make sure you knew about my mastermind coming up on May 24th. I am looking for a very small group of young physicians who feel the burden of imposter syndrome, who are feeling stuck in their job, who feel anxious and stressed and feel like they're not good enough essentially exactly how I was feeling three years ago. And the mastermind is going to be a deep and personal dive into how to overcome imposter syndrome, dealing with your current personal issues. We are going to be figuring out how to identify the goals we want for our future and creating specific and tactical plans to get those things. I will leave a link in the show notes page if you want some more information about this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Again, I'm looking for a very small group of young physicians because I really want this to be a comfortable and supportive environment that we can really get some work done together. So I hope you check that out.